0: Hey, 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 this is Laura, and welcome to Fight Like a Girl, A Survivor's Tale. Um, disclaimer that I always put out there is Fight Like a Girl, A Survivor's Tale does not condone violence in any form. Just want to put that out there so when this gets published to the uh, the platforms, we're following their rules. Just letting them know, hey, you know, I don't condone any of this, uh, any kind of violence or... Um, yeah, abuse in any way. Uh, so let's start by just, I want to offer this at the beginning of every podcast that we start with. So the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-799-7233, the National Suicide Hotline. And this you can just dial or you can uh, text it and it's just 988 Child help is 1 800 422 4453. LGBTQIA help, the network La Red, is 1 800 832 1901. All of these numbers can be found on my website, which is Fight Like a Girl. A L W A dot wix site W I X S I T E dot com forward slash my hyphen site. So fight like a girl. A-L-W-A dot W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com forward slash my hyphen site. On my website, you can find resources. Um, I've loaded up the podcasts that have been done. There's contact information for me. Um, It also talks about me and why I want to do this podcast. And there's pictures of me and my cute pug named Millie and my cute cat called Mitt sorry, named Lily Bell. Um, And my purpose in doing this is just to bring awareness, to help people, to aid people, um, so you don't feel like you're alone. That's the big thing, because while I was going through all of the abuse that I've gone through, whether it was with my dad or my ex-spouse or uh, people in the community, religion, I always felt really, really alone. So that's my purpose in doing this. And when I went through my, my battle with cancer, that was so much trauma, so much trauma. And, um, the, there was no abuse with that. It was just a lot of trauma and, um, yeah, it's things we're going to get to about that too, because I want to help I want to help others in that area as well. Um, I would like to just go over some statistics again as far as like um, impact today. So let's talk about economic impact first. Um, you can find these stati- statistics that I'm giving at ncadv.org forward slash statistics. It says economic impact. Okay. Victims of intimate partner violence lose a total of 8.0 million days of paid work each year. Holy cheese balls. Okay. The cost of intimate partner violence exceeds 8.3 billion per year between 21 to 60% of victims of intimate partner violence lose their jobs due to reasons stemming from the abuse you know, so mental health issues that pop up, um, bruising, broken bones. I mean, it's it's crazy. I would think that there should be some kind of protection at your employer um, when this does happen that maybe they can help with that? I don't know. I don't know, but that would be a good thing to explore. Um, the last one says between 2003 and 2008, 142 women were murdered in their workplace by their abuser. 78% of women killed in the workplace during this timeframe. Um, let's talk about like the physical and mental impact. um, So women abused by their intimate partners are more vulnerable to contracting HIV or other STIs due to forced intercourse or prolonged exposure to stress. Studies suggest that there is a relationship between intimate partner violence and depression and suicidal behavior. Physical, mental, and sexual and reproductive health effects have been linked with intimate partner violence, including adolescent pregnancy, unintended pregnancy in general, miscarriage, stillbirth, intrauterine hemorrhage, nutritional deficiency, abnormal pain, and other gastrointestinal problems, neurological disorders, chronic pain, disability, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, PTSD, as well as non-communicable diseases such as hypertension, cancer, and cardiovascular diseases. Victims of domestic violence are also at a higher risk for developing addictions to alcohol, tobacco, or drugs. Um, So today, the last episode that I did was... um, about the abuse that I I received from my father. Today we're going to talk about. I'm going to move from my dad because I need I need to t- kind of take a break and step back from that um, abuse because it's it's not easy for me to recall that forward and discuss the different things um, and bring up that guilt maybe that still lingers. So let's let's step back from that for today. And let's, let's talk, um, let's talk, uh, abuse in a, in a relationship, in a marriage and let's, yeah, let's delve into that one. <laughs> so I got married in 1992. Um, I met my partner in February of 1992 so we didn't we didn't have like a long courtship at all. Um, I just know I fell in love with this man. He was good looking. He was, in my opinion, a dreamboat. So I, like I said, I do identify as bi. So when I look at a man, I the things that kind of like are just so like hot for me, I guess, is that. I love it, bald men. Like, I have a thing for bald men. And then especially if they have, like, a goatee. So this man that came into my life that I married, um, he was that. Like, he was physically attractive. um, And at the point when I met him, he was very attractive to me as far as, like, um, conversations that we had or the attention that he was giving me. Um, Different things like that. So, all in all, I found him very attractive, and I was excited when he proposed to me. Okay, so, married in 1992, had my first baby in 1993, second baby, 1995, and last in 1997. So, from 1992 to 1998, we'll kind of go there, um, I did not experience a lot of abuse with my spouse. Um, I do remember the first thing that kind of was like a red flag for me and I probably should have caught on, but then I wouldn't have my last two kids is when I was um, pregnant with my first, uh, he got upset with me over something I said and he pushed me into the fridge, like backed me up and pushed me into that. And then of course was very apologetic. And I just overlooked that, Hey, it was a heated argument you know, whatever. Um, and let me say this about him too. So each time I had a child, we, I had my children at the same hospital with the same OBGYN and my ex was present at all my prenatal visits. He was there for me, you know, during labor, um, And he, the first two, he even was awarded by the nurses, um, like spectacular supporter or something like that. And they gave him this like pin to put on his shirt. And he was very like excited about that. And he just flourished with that attention. So another thing about my ex is that to the outside world, He was this perfect person. He was, he loved to communicate. He would, um, he would help somebody on the side of the road. He, he just was awesome. You know, that mask that they put on to the public. And then once they get home and the door is closed, that mask comes off. And I believe to an extent that we all kind of have that. Um, not to the not to the point of like huge abuse, like, but we all present ourselves to the public a little bit different than we do behind closed doors. Um, whether that's like, you know, maybe a little bit more verbally abusive with, you know, children or animals or even yourself, you know, like you don't maybe talk crap about yourself in public or if you do it's in a jokey manner but when you get home you really get down on yourself so we all have this mask that we put on for the public um but manipulator manipulators master manipulators like my father and like my ex that mask makes people think that when something bad does happen that it's your fault, that it's, it's my fault. It's my fault that my ex got verbally abusive with me. It's, it's my fault that my dad sexually molested me. It, you know, all that, that's how people on the outside kind of look at it. Okay. So, um, at about after I had my last child in 1997, um, he started to change drastically. He, he didn't want me to have that last child. Um, it, he probably would have been happier if I aborted, but there was no way in hell I was going to do that. Um, I love my kids so much. And I know to an extent that he did love that last child to the best way he could. The amount of abuse that he took as a child growing up was horrific. Like there were horrific things that happened to him. But like I've said in the last one, I had horrific things happen to me too. And I didn't grow up to reciprocate that abuse in my later years, if that makes sense. Um, Unfortunately, that my ex did. He reciprocate he reciprocated, you know, the things that happened in his childhood to his family life. And I was his second wife, um, his second set of children. And um, I can't speak or say how that first marriage went or um, anything like that. I do, I can say that he was absent for the first three kids. And, I should have taken a clue from that, but you know, you're in love and you just think, well, it must've been her fault, you know? Um, but I should have took a cue from that. So I don't like, I want to focus in on, on certain type of abuse in this podcast, because there's a wide range of abuse that we could cover, Um, during this 15 years of marriage for me. So um, I will say that I left six times and came back six times. On the seventh time, I left and I stayed away. Um, for, For me, it was an addiction. Like I was addicted to this person. I wasn't strong enough as an individual to say, hey, I can do this on my own, you know? Um, And so I'd always come back. But there's also religion ties in that that kept me coming back as well. Because in in the cult life that I was living, we were told that once you get married in the temple, it's for all eternity. And I didn't want to lose my best friend and spouse for all eternity. I didn't want to lose my kids for all eternity, which this is, I will say it is bullshit. And, um, you know, we'll go over that. And when we go over some of my cult life abuse that I, that I had to endure, um, but as far as my ex goes, let's focus in on, um, let's start with sexual abuse. Okay. Cause that's the heaviest one, um, for me anyways. So... You know, when you, and I will also preface this, I've only been with one person in my whole life. And I know you guys are probably shocked, just shocked right out of your skin that there's somebody who's never been with anybody else except for that one person. So um, just out there, that's, that's I've only been with with him. Um, And I remember, man, when we were first married, it was like you know, just every night, like I wanted to do it every night. And, but then as the years started going, you know, of course that wasn't happening and, which was okay. I mean, I was exhausted, you know, raising kids and, and, uh, I feel like I was raising a fourth child with him. Um, but there were times when I said no, and it was forced on me. Now, when those times happened, I remember the first time it happened um I felt really uh dirty no well dirty to an extent but more like betrayed um my boundaries were broken trust was broken and I remember saying no 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 and the the force behind that was different than every other time where it was consensual. Um, and then I thought, well, I'm his wife. So, you know, he has the right to do that. That's what's expected in a marriage. And so I went into the bathroom, took a shower, got cleaned up and came back and he was sleeping. And, um, of course then, you know, the next day, Oh, it was such a good night, baby. Thank you so much. And, and, you know, just saying praises to himself. And, and um, I remember feeling like I wanted to just like run, um, get out of, get out of there, just run and not look back. And I thought this was all my fault. Like, you know, I'm the one that's in the wrong hair why didn't i feel like i wanted to share that part of me that night like why you know why did i do that it's all my fault and so that was the first time second time it was you know several months down the road um and i remember again saying no I don't want to, I'm tired, leave me alone. And again, it was forced and it was different than when it was consensual. And I was such a naive woman. I just want to say that right now. I was so naive and I just thought, you know, I'm shirking my duties again. Here I am ragging on myself instead of saying, okay, what's the real issue here? You know, um, And then it happened several more times before I really started realizing this is a problem. And um, I remember talking to him about it and saying, you know, when I say no, I mean no. Like, you know, I am your wife and I enjoy having sex with you. But when I say no it's because there's a reason i'm tired you know i i just i just don't feel like it i'm not in the mood and he would say basically f that i'm out working to support your fat ass and basically you know i mean i was called horrible names fat ass cunt um bitch you know i mean there's a whole range of names I was called, Pig. Um, and so for in his eyes, you know, because he was out working for the family, which, hello, number one, that was his choice to be the only one working at that time. Number two, that was his duty as a husband and a father, if especially if he's saying that he didn't want his spouse working. So for him to say, hey, I'm out. the one out working, I'm the one bringing home the money, I'm the breadwinner, and you will damn well do what I tell you to do, that's bullshit. And it was abuse. And it was violent abuse. It was so violent. Um, I remember one time, and I wouldn't call it rape. I wouldn't call it rape then. Now I say, I was raped. I was raped in my marriage multiple times. Um, I remember one time he was trying to force anal sex on me. And I was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. It hurts. You need to stop. And he kept trying and trying. And I literally flipped over and like kicked him. And I said, you will not ever do that to me again. And he kind of stepped back. And he kind of looked at me and I was like, I am telling you right now, this is not going to happen again. Do you understand me? And he just kind of nodded and he laid down and went to sleep. So, um, after that, I realized that I, I had a little bit of power, right? Like I could say no, let me tell you, he never let me say no again. But he didn't try anal sex. But he never let me say no again. Number one, my voice did not matter. I was not validated. I was his... I don't know. something Someone he could torture. Um, and so, yeah. He never let me say no again. And if there were times where I wanted to be intimate with him, you know, he would get me to a point where I was just like, it's painful to stop, right? Because you're like, your body is just craving it. And um, he would stop and laugh. And it was awful. It was so awful. So he would abuse me in other ways, especially after that time that I I pushed him away and made it very clear, no. Um, It continued to happen over the 15 years that I was married to this man. And again, like I said, I didn't really realize that it was actual rape until I finally left him for the last time. And I was talking to somebody about it and they were like, Laura, you were raped. This is not normal. This is not normal relationship. Um, boundaries. Right. Cause we all have a right to say no. No. You know, there were times where he would say no. And did I push and push? No, I didn't. I respected those boundaries. But I was thinking in my head, you son of a bitch, when I say no, you don't stop. But when you say no, you expect me to stop. So it was such a double-edged sword. And, um to me, this, this abuse was not just about being raped. It was also mental. Um, it was, it was physically abusive, mentally, emotionally, and it would take me back. Like I'd go in the bathroom and cry and it would take me back to my childhood where my dad was, let's just be frank. He was also raping me. Um, you know, molesting and raping me. My dad never had full-on intercourse with me, and I think that fear was he did not want to take a chance of um, you know impregnating me. But you know, there were fingers, uh, different things, and so no objects. Um, I'm so grateful for that, and I'm so sorry for any of you that have been raped in such a. All rape is violent. But with objects and things like this. And I also do this other podcast, What Happens After Dark? And I do the true crime. And so I see how serial rapists, serial killers, you know, they use these objects. And I cannot imagine the pain that that would cause. I just. Can't I? I know my own pain from what happened to me, but I can't imagine the pain that the victims of these serial killers, rapists, or even if you're somebody that was experiencing this from a partner, or a parent, or a relative. That we, you know you've been sodomized or raped with an object, I am so sorry, I am just so sorry to all of us out there that have had to go through anything like this and that's this is a huge reason why I'm doing this to bring awareness and for me, opening up and being this vulnerable is hard, but it needs to stop we need to, we need to find a way, an outlet. And that's what I want to be for, for everybody. So as far as my ex goes, um, again, it didn't stop until I finally like left him, left him. And, and then of course I, I packed up my children and moved to Utah. We moved from California to Utah. Um, and this Okay. So one of the times that I left, one of the six, we actually had moved to Utah. He came here and got us like he was good. He had got himself together, yada, yada. And he took us back to California. Um, and then that's when all hell broke loose. And then, uh, I think it took me about a year Maybe a year and a half, and I was like, screw this shit. And I got myself together and left him for the final time and came back to Utah. And you're probably thinking, why Utah? Number one, like I said, I was, you know, head deep in this cult life, and um, this is where my so called family lived. And So this is where I thought I had support is what it comes down to, which I did. I had more support than if I would have stayed in the desert where we live there in um, Palm Springs area. But still, you know, anyways, guys, my story about that kind of abuse, um, I feel like I have covered it. I don't want to I don't want to keep pounding on it. Um, It is in the past. And, you know, I've grown and I've become a a better person. You know, I do believe in that saying that is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. We've been through so much in our lifetimes, you know, trauma, abuse, um, loneliness, um, grieving, the loss of a loved one or friend um we've all we all have this this roller coaster that we're on called life and it's where you are as far as like forgiving yourself forgiving your abuser um and being able to move forward and it can make you stronger i promise as my children have grown up and they've experienced things I can empathize with some of the things that they have gone through because these are things that I've gone through in my life. And when I have those aha moments, it hits me. This is where it's made me stronger, you know? And that seventh time that I left him was the summit. That is the strongest point I had been during that whole thing. And I remember my oldest, she was going through therapy or something, and she was so angry at me. She was angry at me that I had not been strong enough to walk away sooner. And I remember telling her, you can't judge me for that because I wasn't strong enough because I was weak and I was learning and I was growing and I was trying to do the best that I could. Unfortunately, because I did not stay away, my children went through trauma with him and that's their story to tell. And I know that my oldest and my second oldest will come on to this podcast and share some stories with you um, about the different types of abuses, abuse, situations that they've been in whether it revolves around their dad or not i don't know um i don't know how much healing they've gone through on their side to be able to talk about those things because you have to reach a point inside where you feel confident enough where you feel strong enough to share that story this is the first time in my whole life that i am sharing these parts of my life with more than just a therapist I'm sharing this with anybody that's listening to this podcast. And again, I want to say this is not a place for judgment. If you are looking to judge somebody for what they've gone through, you need to leave. You need to not be listening to this podcast. You need to not be commenting anywhere on this podcast. This is a judge-free zone. Okay? So if you have something negative to say, don't want to hear it at all, okay? Um, If you have stories that you want to share and either come on as a guest or have me share your stories, you can email me those stories. And if you go to my website under contact, Um, You will see that there is a form that you can, uh, well, you can add in your email to subscribe to like show notes, but my email is also on there. So you can send me your story or talk to me about my story. If you want to ask questions to me about the things I've shared and, and maybe how I've gotten through it and what made me strong enough to get through it, you can email me and I will definitely, definitely email back. So my email is fight, F-I-G-H-T, like, L-I-K-E-A, girl, G-I-R-L, always at gmail.com. Fight like a girl, always at gmail.com. Um, so please, yes, email me with your stories, or if you want to be a guest speaker, or if you have any tips and tricks that you want to share with people on how to get through things or to how you've helped yourself heal from these things. Um, or if there's a particular subject that you would like me to delve in more, um, definitely, you know, let me know. Um, I do want to mention, you can listen to this podcast at Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcast Inbox, Deezer, Samsung Podcast, iHeart, TuneIn, Listen Notes, um, and RSS. So you can find my podcasts there, or you can just go to my website. Um, there's a tab for podcasts, and they are loaded in there. However, if you would please be so kind to, if you're in Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to me at, if you could please rate that episode, rate me, please, R-A-T-E, rate me, um, so that it can help my podcast grow because that is my, my goal. I want this to reach more people. The way we do that is by spreading the news, by spreading, um, this podcast, by sharing it, please share, share, share. Um, let's get people the help that they need a community that they may be looking for, um, again the w- uh website is fight like a girl a l w a dot site dot com forward slash my hyphen site um but yeah that is my that's my story for today that's my abuse story for today i just felt like we needed to take a a little bit of a sidetrack and um wanted to talk about that sexual abuse with my um X, because I feel like if you look at the sexual abuse from my dad to the ex, it all is just one big circle of abuse, relatable abuse. So, all right, guys, keep it real. I look forward to hearing from you and bye.